So when the mother was asked a question about how should we spend the days between 5th to 9th December, which we know is uh, uh, Shobindo's Mahasamadhi day and birthdays. So she gave a very interesting reply. She said, 5th to 9th December should be spent in understanding what death is, to understand what death is. And birthday should be spent in knowing the purpose of life. Uh, it's very interesting. She doesn't say your purpose of life. Though it uh, is kind of implied, but the purpose of life, because your purpose of life has to be aligned to that in some way or the other. So uh, I thought that, you know, we, we know so many things about death, so much has been spoken about it. So we can rather contemplate on the, or reflect on the possibility of immortality, especially focusing on physical immortality. Especially in the context that there is a tendency for people to outrightly rubbish it, as was the case when probably Da Vinci dreamed of flying and uh, Oliver Wright thought that flying is possible. And if, if dreams are rubbished, then obviously humanity loses hope for the future. Also, there is another dimension to it that no dream is ever given to man unless there is in him some kind of a possibility of realizing it. So though people say that, you know, you ask for a boon and you get a boon. But the way I look at it from the oneness point of view, not from a dual point of view, that a boon is granted already and when you ask for it, it is more like a concession given because we believe that we have to ask and it adds to the delight of things. So if mankind dreams of conquering death, it will find a way and means of conquering it. And it is important because whatever it is, death means a certain loss. It means that we come again forgetting those uh, whatever effort we had done. And while the imprints of that effort, the impressions do come along, no doubt about it, but it takes time. It's a waste. There is a lot of process which is involved in it. And it, it contradicts the fundamental truth that if this existence has emerged from the divine, who is himself immortal and eternal, why should the beings themselves be subjected to death unless we say that there is a fundamental division between world and God? That's not the premise that Sri takes. So if world and God are fundamentally one and this world is a manifestation of God and the substance from which creation has emerged is the same substance out of which or through which the divine manifests himself in his very many namas and rupas, then there is no reason why eventually this physical substance should disintegrate. There are other analogies also, even in the lower creation, because the gentleman or the one of the main pontiffs of Jagannath Puri was heard saying that, well, Brahma also dies. Uh, well, obviously, there is uh, Brahma doesn't die, but after many thousand years, he is absorbed back into the source. There is the conception of prale, which he is referring to. So it is not just the physical body that dies, but bodies on other levels, particularly the vital, the mental, and levels right up to the over-mental, if you should in those terminology, the trinity gods, that is also subject eventually to some kind of a dissolution or a reabsorption. But what he misses out, deliberately or otherwise, is that there are bodies beyond the 
over mind planes which are not subject to even dissolution and this is a well known thing in indian tradition for instance pralaya touches this universe mahapralaya touches up to the mental world the lower hemisphere but it does not touch the supramental worlds the eternal golok of shri krishna it does not touch chit chitghan lok it does not touch sat lok and there are beings there who are not subject to dissolution so that means that there are beings who are not subject to either dissolution or reabsorption krishna does not is not there is no mahapralaya which can take away krishna yes brahma vishnu and mahesh yes that trinity does according to the indian thought so there is a possibility which already exist in creation within the manifested creation of course uh, there is that manifestation in time and there is the eternal manifestation that's why it's called eternal manifestation where there is nothing even corresponding to death or dissolution there is no reabsorption sachidananda swarup so it doesn't dissolve so this possibility is there so it is valid and even reasonable for man to aspire that since we are born from him out of him emerged out of him we should also share his immortality and eternity and this aspiration is pursued man throughout the ages not something new both secular or scientific and occult efforts on one side we know that the right from the mummies of egypt where they had a special technique to preserve the spirit of the form and so there could be a play of the being for a long time using this body as a pedestal to the modern day cryogenics where people are preserved in very extreme cold temperature even the mother speaks about a princess who was buried in himalaya and whole idea was that maybe one day they can come alive and it's not just an imagination as i said humanity can imagine nothing which it does not have the power to realize whether one wants to take that course or not is a personal matter one may not be interested in it but it's possible <clears throat> on the other hand if we look into the spiritual and yogic literature of india we see very elaborate um, uh, methods uh, for instance uh, in hatha yoga and um, kundalini yoga or some kind of a combination we have a very interesting uh, effort towards immortality to start with there is a siddhi called anima siddhi now anima siddhi is when you become very light you know hanuman is supposed to have become very light and could fly across now what is this siddhi when you actually take away the gross and the subtle elements of matter from matter itself so there is another form of matter which is neither gross nor subtle but something else in that body you can fly it takes away the pull of gravitation now this is very interesting because uh, is there a matter which escapes the hold of gravitational force that's how a modern physicist will look at it but the hatha yogi is looked at it and shobindo speaks of it that yes it is possible he himself had experienced it in the alipur jail where spontaneously his um, one leg was raised by maybe about a feet and another by a few inches uh, spontaneously so such a siddhi uthapna siddhi and going against gravitation it exists it's something which others had seen so this is the minimum then there are other siddhis which uh, of course shobindo very well knew for instance in uh, the ancient science of yoga the effort towards immortality of the body immortality of the soul has been achieved and everyone knows one of the simple ways of discovering immortality is to discover the immortal part in you and that is um, what many yogis have achieved and therefore to say that a yogi dies is an absurdity yogi never dies he just goes back into that part also there is a possibility of immortality of the physical consciousness because consciousness doesn't die 
So, if you discover that consciousness, you can stay in that and maybe continue to work in for centuries or millenniums as long as you like. And that is also well known to ancient Vedic seers where they could arrive at the immortality which comes by discovering or, or finding the physical consciousness as opposed to the energy and the form that it takes and then living in it, using it like a cloth. Uh, the yogis also speak about various bodies, physical, vital, mental sheaths and eventually two bodies which do not, are not subject to dissolution and that is the Vigyanme and the Anandme Kosh, which are not yet organized in man, but the possibility exists of other bodies on other planes. The Vaishnava saints speak about the Chinmayde or uh, the Christian mystics speak about the uh, glorified body, the radiant body. So there are other kinds of body which are within the realm of humanity, which are not subject to the laws of decay for sure. That's uh, one part of it. But the Hatha Yogis worked upon this gross physical body and they discovered uh, it was like a two-step process what they were doing. First was the science of prolonging the age and uh, preventing decay and uh, diseases. So this was the first step and um, the process was a threefold process. One was the Rasayana Kriya by which they um, could you know keep away the diseases. The second was Kaya Kalp. So Kaya Kalp was where after a certain number of years, 70 years or something, there was a very special process, 30 days or 40 days, um, I don't remember exactly. Uh, when they would shut themselves in a kind of uh, isolated place where mud and water and mantras and meditation, many, it's, it was a very elaborate, uh, complex process. And when they would come out, they get, got a fresh lease of life. Say 70 years after that, you can live for another 70 years, say 140 years. And then if you wanted, you have to again go back into that. So it was a process which, uh, you know, dependent on a process. And you couldn't prolong it indefinitely. Uh, but possibly there was some secret known because if we see in Satyoga and other eras, uh, human beings were living much longer. I mean, Mahabharata war itself, when Arjuna was 70, he was fighting a battle. So there is the science of longevity was studied in ancient Ayurveda and through Rasayan Kriya and uh, Kaya Kalp, they could go through this rejuvenating process. Incidentally, eagles do it. Eagles know how to shed their old body and they withdraw into isolation and come back again strong-winged. There is a possibility of doing that. And certain plants do it. There are plants like the, um, maybe it's called pine skype or some, some variety of pine, which can do this process number of times and continue for thousands of years. It's a small little plant. So bacteria never dies. So there is a idea, the, the whole Possibility is inbuilt even within this framework of nature. And the third thing they used to do was uh, when they would leave the body so that it can be cared for and rejuvenated, there was a very, very specialized occult technique which is Parkaya Pravesh, where the yogin took himself out and put into another body, um, normally to have whatever experiences or whatever work he had to do, the body was dying and he could enter and prolong the life and then come back. This was uh, the famous case we know is of Shankaracharya who had a debate with Mandan Mishra and uh, when it seems that Mandan Mishra has lost, his wife said, well, well, there is something I want to ask you and it's about the relation between a man and a woman, uh, intimate relation. Do you know that? He said, no. So how can you have Brahman knowledge? Because in Brahman you are supposed to know everything. 
Yasmin Vigyati, Vigyati Sarvam, you have to know every, that's what Brahman is. So he left his body and as the legend goes, he entered into the body of a king who was going to die, he stayed one month like a man and a woman and then comes back. So this is another possibility. Now this possibility, there are other yogis who have done it. Uh, I do believe people talk about Lahiri Mahashaya in his subtle body, he can move around. And it's very interesting, the mother doesn't use the word, but Shurabindu himself was doing it. See, uh, there are actual instances of Shurabindu materializing and dematerializing. It's known, it's one of the part of the... I know of uh, one instance where there was a servant who was working in somebody's house, in, in a devotee's house and the devotees, when they came for darshan, they requested him to keep everything fine, intact, make sure nobody comes <laughs> and uh, when um, they returned back, they said everything is fine. He said yes and there used to be this Babaji used to come and take care of everything. So he is the Babaji, he said yes, the Babaji whom you pray, every day he used to come and ask me, is everything okay? <laughs> so, so they were so touched that you had a darshan while here and we like fools went there and had the... So, uh, this materialization and dematerialization is also documented in um, this famous book, The Lost Footsteps, where uh, this um, man in concentration camp could actually see the material manifestation of Shirobindo, who used to come and gave him a series of talks and he would dematerialize. Amal Kiran had this uh, actual materialization when the mother came to him uh, in the train uh, and informed him that well I had promised to you and so I have come. He didn't understand what it means. So he asked the mother, she said yes I had promised you that I will tell you when the event takes place. There are other forms of materialization where it's not the body of Sri Aurobindo and the mother but they have taken place and I think uh, earlier I have recounted about these stories which may look right the stuff of science fiction. But as science advances, it will no more be a fiction and we will talk about that also. Then the classic example where mother speaks about Parkaya Pravesh without using the term is when Shurabindo withdraws on 5th December. There is a conversation on 4th December um, 1962 um, where she talks about Shurabindo, I think several other places she has spoken of it. When Shurabindo, when Physically, he withdrew 5th December. He, mother was standing there and says, I felt the material friction. So, she says it was not just some subtle way, but the very material body which he put completely into her, completely intact. So, this is one example where she speaks about the Parkaya, it's a Parkaya Pravesh, where he entered into the mother's body, but she says something very interesting. He says, however, though he is fully within me, he is equally outside Available just as the avatar of the absolute or the manifestation of the absolute which is uh, called as avatar in India is also there and he is simultaneously uh, it's possible for him to visit many places which he is doing which we know that you know uh, going by the experience of many disciples that he is doing. So this is one classic example of Parkaya Pravesh. I also believe what Pavitrada did putting himself completely intact into the mother materially right down to the consciousness of the cells is Parkaya Pravesh. Now unfortunately uh, or rather fortunately they don't use the word. So we have this tendency to sometimes believe that you know what mother and Shurabindu were doing was totally disconnected. But they knew this process and Shurabindu definitely was a master of all the possible Siddhis. So Parkaya Pravesh this was to prolong so he can prolong his existence indefinitely. 
Then there was second aspect and that was about the actual physical immortality and we'll see that also is very interesting. Shurabindra has done it but in a unique way and from there we'll approach this process. So there is a Siddhi uh, which is known to Hatha Yogis. This was the first part, rejuvenation, prolongation of life where these three elements were there. There is another which is called as Asmita Siddhi. Now in Asmita Siddhi which is known in the Nath Sampradaya Yogis, you know Goraknath is supposed to have talked about it. Uh, they are tantrics and what they do is uh, they with the power of the mind create a mental body which is called a Chittakaya or Nirman Chitt sorry they, they form a mental body Nirman Chitt and from that Nirman Chitt mental body they create a Nirman Kaya and it is based on very solid scientific principles or spiritual science because it is the action of the universal mind which creates matter as we experience it. So they can create this. So this is known. So this was utmost till which they can they could reach. And now we understand when Shurabindu speaks of or when the mother says in 59 she speaks about first Shurabindu in his subtle physical abode. Now why did Shurabindu take so long? Well he was not just doing Chitt Nirman but the supramental nirman, a supramental uh, organizing a whole supramental body in which he could dwell. From there, create a supramental body for physical contact. So, just as there is a chitta nirman and kaya nirman. Uh, so, nirman, chitta, nirman, kaya, depending, I don't recollect exactly long back what, what they speak about it. But same way you can create a supramental, um, you know, body like the mental body and from there you can actually create a supramental physical body for a permanent action. Now how does one do it and what is the science behind it because you know the stupidest argument that I was hearing with the pontiff who had just read some books but obviously without any deeper understanding or even a deeper study of the scriptures was that everything is made of Panchamahabhut, so it is going to dissolve. This is the standard argument you will hear in traditional literature. Everything is created by Panchamahabhut and they are you know, subject to dissolution. People parrot it out most of the time. So what really is this Panchamahabhut? If you go into it, they are the forces which are there creating an atom. If you really look at science, material science, it is already discovered the Panchamahabhut. There are the five forces, attraction, repulsion, electromagnetic, and positive and negative, uh, strong and weak um, electrical current. And finally, you have the gravitational force. So, they are actually the five forces. And if we look at the corresponding analogy, Shurabindu speaks of it in the Life Divine, that what the Sankhya uh, Kapil Muni had spoken about it. He was at once a Rishi and a scientist. So, what he was describing, and then he speaks about Tanmatra, which is, you know, behind the gross. So, Tanmatras are behind the Panch Mahabhut. So that's a subtle body which is more like a quantum world. And then it speaks about behind the Tanmatra. So it goes on. So now Shavindo raises this very interesting question which nobody has raised. And you can try finding an answer in the scriptures. At one point I was struggling. Where do the Panch Mahabhut emerge from? So the standard answer given is from Prakriti. So after dissolution they go into lay into Prakriti. Where does Prakriti come from? From Shiva. So she rest into Shiva. That's the end of the story. Now... Shobindo takes this question at great length because actually we talk about cellular yoga, we don't talk about atomic yoga and the mother several places speaks of this. See what happens when a body uh, is destroyed, now I am talking about the physical body, where does it go? 
it goes back to its atomic state. Atoms are never destroyed. I mean, if you destroy an atom, it's chaos. So it goes back to an atomic state. So what happens, the kind of organization which the atoms had, that changes. So what is happening is, the atomic organization changes. The fundamental constituents do not get destroyed. You can also go into the energy level where there is no destruction at all. So Sri says, why is why do atoms get destroyed? Or why, why do the, the organization of atomic constituents get destroyed? It's great length, he deals with it. So one thing he says that how does this atomic world, this world of Panch Mahabhut comes into play? Why not? We come back to the original question that why can't just the bodies be the same way as the divine body? What is the problem? So that's where he speaks about involution and from the overmind, the moment the sense of separation comes, my body and this body, from the moment it comes, ignorance starts. There slowly the action of the cosmic mind, not just in individual mind, because very often people say mind creates matter. Well, uh, unless you use the word universal mind, it won't be true because it would mean that uh, with the coming of man, matter is created. Matter is created because as we experience it, it is created because of the action of universal mind and a cosmic sense. So it is the action of mind and the senses which together creates matter. And that is an elaborate description in uh, Sankhya about it. Now because this mind by its nature is divisive, the moment it acts upon the one substance, there are no two substances. When we read mother's writings, several places she says there is one substance. Even Shurbindo, when he says if something is done in this substance, uh, in fact he says you would agree that I also have some material substance in me? Yes. So he says then if something is done in this substance, it will spread as a contagion because it's one substance. It's not two substance. And what is that something he was trying to do in that substance? Basically, the moment mind comes into play, it fragments. There is an appearance of fragmentation. But because deep behind there is oneness, these different atoms have a tendency either to get absorbed into each other or tendency to be pulled down toward the subatomic chaos, which we know very well. And the scientists nowadays, incidentally, it's so heartening that from 1928 onwards, scientists spoke of three states of matter. Now they speak about, then they spoke about fourth state of matter, the plasma state, which is at a great temperature where you just experience like an energy precipitating into matter. Then they speak about the fifth state of matter, which is fortunately, you know, or it's it's a proud moment. <laughs> it's an Indian's name, Bose-Einsteinian matter. Because they gave, uh, you know, uh, particles which at zero temperature, you will see that state of matter where all the atoms enter into a state of oneness. They don't use the word oneness, but into a super atomic mass. So it's very interesting, you know, that they enter into that state. Then now they speak about a sixth and a seventh state of matter. It's amazing how, you know, science, material science is going in that direction. And we are still in that ancient tradition, that Panch Mahabhut and all that stuff. And the people who believe it. And I am sure, as he said, material science and the spiritual experience has to meet at that point. Now, it's quite possible that if a material science, now let's take this side and then come back to the spiritual. Now, if they discover that there is the gross physical matter or matter as we experience it, three states of matter. Then there is a plasma state and then there is a Bose-Einstein state, call it whatever. And there is a sixth and a seventh state. Now, 
they are interconnected. They are, they are not divided. This same matter has also corresponding that state. Now today they are talking about downloading information into a computer and then reabsorbing re it in a new body. What prevents contacting this state of matter and actually transposing it and building a learning how to precipitate it and creating a gross body out of it. Shabindu gave this hint and he gave this hint in one of his casual writings in you know uh, Isha Upanishad, Isha Vashi Upanishad where he talks about a guru student Sambhad and he says science is trying to understand how life emerges out of matter and then he says it will truly take a remarkable step and understand the mystery when it knows how life became matter. Now scientists are reaching that point where they, they will one day they are bound to discover 50 years, 100 years down the line, once you have opened the door, how this fourth, fifth, sixth state of matter becomes this cross matter. Then it won't be surprising you can materialize and dematerialize a body because you know how to connect the two. You can actually arrive at a state of immortality by that or many bodies. So science is moving in that state, direction and we can supplement it with another direction which Shurabindu speaks of as the definitive action. So, if the cosmic mind creates this gross matter as we experience it, if instead of this cosmic mind, creation is for some reason below supermind, it's a divisive action which starts. And he has described at great length, it's about involution because slowly the evolution had to take place. Now the time has come and humanity stands at a borderline where now the supramental power, force, consciousness, which basis is oneness, can directly take the reins of earthly life. It means once again this earthly matter will discover the oneness of substance, oneness of being, oneness of consciousness. That's what mother describes in the agenda at great length. Even Shobhidu passingly speaks about, some mystics had this experience when Sri Ramakrishna speaks about you know that bullock uh, whip marks are coming on my body or Shobhidu speaks about it and the mother at great length about this oneness of substance she goes on to say, this body, that body, it's now one body, it doesn't matter. Nalida gave that beautiful, you know, statement to, I mean, some of them were already so advanced in physical transformation that Narada was remembering it that when he went about birthday with Mary Helen, he would tell the exact words. But, you know, Nalida, when he met suddenly after a moment of quietude, he said, you know, this body pointing to him, that body Mary Helen and this body, they are all one body. So already the supramental substance, the supramental action spreading into the body, reorganizing the atoms. Now what would that mean in practical terms? It would mean that the action of the supramental force is taking place at the intra-atomic level. It's reorganizing the atoms in such a way that they don't have to either fall back into disorganization, which has, it has a tendency in the present mentalized form, nor they have to enter and get reabsorbed into another. What will happen? Mother says it very beautifully when a question is asked, what is immortality and the deathless state? Shurabhita speaks about the deathless state in Savitri. He was very well aware of what it is and mother describes. She says it means normally... Because of this atomic constitution, your body is done backwards. So your soul is moving fast, but the atoms, they are not able to really keep pace. So they tend to, you know, go back into that disorganization. Here, the atomic constitution is done, undone forwards. So instead of being undone backward, 
rigidity comes in. They keep following. The atoms follow the pace of the universal Shakti because now they are filled with the supramental substance and the supramental consciousness is organizing it. So this is the kind of state through which the human body or rather earthly bodies can undergo a transmutation when these Panch Mahabhut, which are right now acting under the influence of the mind, will act under the influence of their original master. And the original master cannot but be the supermind, the creator. It is the creatrix consciousness which has to act and take charge. Why it had not taken charge up till now? We know that story. She speaks about it in great detail. Why all this happened? The infinite became the infinitesimal we know there are very beautiful descriptions, elaborate descriptions of involution, its necessity. Mother gives a very interesting comment, uh, two interesting comments. One place he says, well, we don't have to talk about why it happened. It happened. <laughs> now what is to be done? Understand it and do the solution. Second step, second place he says, well, the supreme becomes perfect by becoming infinitesimal. Meaning thereby the smallest possible detail that can enter into the manifested universe. And therefore this process was needed where the mind came in, veiled, created many many little points and eventually infinitesimal sparks and quarks and bosons and God knows how many ad infinitum. He says the action of the mind can keep on dividing. So if you split the electron, you split all of them, you will continue getting the more and more subparticles. There is no end to it. You can't say this is the God particle. Because they, they will be ad infinitum division because that's how the mind operates. Another very interesting thing she speaks about is that um, one is the action of the mind which you know keeps creating so many divisions and second the, the below this um, physical matter the energy body and the consciousness body. So the process has to be twofold. Because purely if we approach scientifically and just discover the plasma state or a fifth state or a sixth state of matter, it won't work out. You have to discover the energy state and the consciousness state, bring in that higher consciousness, the supramental consciousness and mate it with the physical substance. And that is the process we see in Agenda where she speaks about the first penetration of the supramental substance into the material body, the supramental force into the material body because at other levels they were already experiencing it but for it to penetrate and then start the action she also speaks about how atoms are changing she speaks about the material nature accepting this new substance so even nature which is the argument given by traditionalists that ultimately everything goes into lay in prakriti so see now material nature has accepted this process it says all right i am ready to change which means it accepts this substance and integrates it with the atomic constituents because it's material nature. So it it's, 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 may sound like a fiction today to many persons and they have a right to believe it's a fiction. But the truth of the matter is that if this is the end of everything, if the bodily death is the last end of all our efforts, then creation is vain. And if creation is vain, then the whole conception of divine, call him whatever, nothing or something or everything is vain. Because the master artist cannot create, be satisfied with an imperfect product. So this line some others will take. 
a line which is also consistent with tradition so when people talk about tradition they should know there are two kinds of tradition one tradition which talks about the vanity of earthly life and the eventual truth of what is beyond there is another tradition which talks about the perfection of terrestrial life in which we have many ways the asura's way of immortality now it's very interesting asura asks immortality from brahma ji brahma ji can't grant it because he is also subject to dissolution that's why <laughs> so asuras couldn't reach the supramental and beyond simply because you can't reach there with the ego so we can look at it in a new light so they tried physical immortality in their own way but any attempt at physical immortality without the supramental consciousness will always be conditional you can prolong life you can make yourself immune from many forms of disintegration you can live for 1000 years 10000 years maybe but shurbindu wants to go one step further completely free the material substance from the conditioning of the mind it is the action of the mind which has conditioned it and the senses mentalized senses to perceive and experience material reality or form material reality in such a way but when the super mind takes charge the whole thing is bound to change i feel that the final step as i think previously also be spoken about will be that more and more beings who will go through this process will enter into a body a new body which is very very close to the earth he speaks about it that the two are just underlying each other one mode of vibration and you are in that oneness so he speaks about a atomic state that the atoms are in this way that it's like a wave it's continuum and another vibratory mode it's very painful it's a disorganized state of atoms he actually uses the word so more and more people will enter into who are undertaking this yoga into this other state interestingly science says the difference between these state of states of matter one difference which the mother also speaks about is density so the difference between let's say plasma state and this state is density so the more it tends towards gross the more density so you need that density to make it not just stable stable you can make in fact shubindu says forms on the subtle worlds are more concrete concrete they are more concrete more real the touch because the senses sense experiences markedly heightened our senses are very gross very limited they are markedly heightened so it's much more concrete you can grasp a reality much more deeply and Uh, holistically but you need density and this is the last problem that mother was grappling with and now what will happen is that more and more who undertake this yoga um, isha this experience uh, i remember she saw one day dilip kumar roy her uncle along with nolni da and uh, pavitra da or champaklal ji i think was probably champaklal ji or whatever these three of them going around so Uh, she is very surprised because dilip kumar roy he went away he revolted and all these stories so she had this access to shubindu inwardly so she asked what have i seen he said yes what you have seen is true my mama also my uncle also dilip said yes he is with me or perhaps it was niruddha but dilip kumar roy was definitely there no can't be Nir- maybe because she had left her body later on So she says, Shubindu says, they are with me. Time to time, they go out to see the condition of the world and act upon it. So I won't be surprised 
as she speaks about the experience of purani rolling in the mud or pavitra da intact within amrita saying i want my vital to be left free to help others that there are these beings who have taken to this supramental path who are accumulating <laughs> a new race being formed but with the sheer substance and numbers it will become more and more dense because it's one substance and eventually come nearer and nearer to earth and start having becoming visible here visible there till finally we have right into this in the midst of our humanity two kinds of humanity one which belongs to the old substratum and a new humanity with a much more active interchange i personally believe that is the process and perhaps that's what is hinted with those four lines of savitri with which we'll close it starts with o strong forerunner i have heard thy cry it ends with these four lines a seed shall be sown in death's tremendous hour a branch of heaven the supramental substance transplant to human soil the atomic constituent death's tremendous hour because that's the moment when ultimately you can do that reconfiguration like materialization and dematerialization it's like reconfiguring matter i believe many of these uh, old sadaks who pass away apparently with diseases it's not diseases but it's that final act of transmutation which takes place reconfiguring matter when it goes through disorders and something gets shattered something gets integrated and then whatever is there is reconfigured so a seed shall be sown in death's tremendous hour a branch of heaven transplant to human soil nature shall overleap her mortal step fate shall be changed by an unchanging will so let's not listen to these voices when she was mother would say between the 5th to 9th december so many suggestions come from all around the disintegrating forces are at their peak that's why she wanted us to meditate on death why they come and give suggestion oh he left you also should leave mother was from collective suggestion or oh she is going to leave for sure oh it won't happen so during this period suggestions that oh he left she said i know it is not true so this is how one has to spend time and remember to keep that unchanging will within today or tomorrow or 100 years 500 years let's dream for the permanent solution and a radical remedy and if shubindo has said yes he knows what he is speaking with the trust let us move refusing to hear the voices that deny more or less the one question yeah. uh, you said the brahma vishnu mahesh are uh, subjected to dissolution but uh, in uh, vishnu ke avatar to krishna is avatar of vishnu yes yeah so it is uh, that's a very famous question often people ask when it is said that krishna is an avatar of vishnu actually if you read the bhagavat uh, you see the birth of krishna as a golden child you know who rests in that now what it means that he comes manifest because he is entering the lower creation so he can't come in his swarupa so he presses upon the aspect of the preserver of the world so vishnu is that aspect of the divine which preserves the world which balances the dharma so he comes pressing upon the vishnu aspect rather than krishna being coming out of vishnu even in the puranas it's mentioned like that so but the trinity because they are governing the lower creation 
Of course, they have their corresponding higher forms which nobody speaks except Shurvindo. You know, Shiva, Vishnu, Brahma and Krishna. But I am not entering into that infinite existence from which we have a limited existence of Brahma. And because he is in its origin infinite existence, but he has to create this lower creation. Therefore, Brahma has to limit himself. So he is given the word for the lower creation. And that's why you see that Brahma, when he extends it head upward, Shiva beheads him. He can't. He will enter into infinity. He can't create this. So he limits or rather infinity limits itself as Brahma who creates a limited Shristi. And there are very beautiful stories in Indian mythology about it. You know, when Rama and Sita, like you know how there is something beyond this limited creation. There are some very touching stories. So one of them is when Rama is being wedded to Sita. So all the gods come, including Brahma. So Brahma says... What are these flowers and this decoration? I have not created them. How are they here? What I have not created? And then Shiva tells him, Don't you know he is Sachidananda Brahma? And she is the divine mother as Shakti. She is not dependent on your creation. But these are temporary manifestations which took place. But the possibility is there. That even upon material earth, Look at the depth of the story that even flowers which are material creations can be created out of Shakti but they cannot sustain. Mother had done this experiment, created one of those beings who had chosen to convert. I think uh, was he Satan or someone, uh, the Asura of Darkness and she gave him a body but it couldn't sustain. So after six months the body dissolved. So all this she could do and Shurabindo. So many stories, I myself recounted how that fellow who sold the Agarbattis and another story of Eshadi. So all that though they knew, those Siddhis were to them natural. So people don't know when Shurabindu and the mother are saying something, they have not just a knowledge of the Shastras, they have lived and gone beyond it. When mother described some of her experiences, one of them was, you know, taking out several bodies and earth mating with the Divine, she described that experience. I think 15 November 1926, maybe I am, or 26th November 1915. <laughs> maybe I, I may be mistaken about the date, but there is an answer of Shirobindo. It's It must be 1915 because she wrote to Shirobindo. And Shirobindo said, yes, it is the union of the earth principle with the divine, supreme. And uh, it is a very Vedic experience, but modern interpreters or modern Vedantins will not agree to it. This was the origin of the in the Vedi. There is another experience where she speaks about it. This whole earth fusing with the Supreme. This possibility and for the divine Shakti nothing is impossible. That's why she dissolved the overmind creation. That creation could have prolonged itself like Brahma living for thousand years or ten thousand years you know, hundred years of that era and each year is thousand years on earth. So you can imagine 100 into 1000, 1 lakh years, human human beings could have technically prolonged their life. But Shobindu said, no, still it will be subject to dissolution. He knew it very well. So he said, no. Then it goes into line to nature, he knew very well. That's why he speaks about material nature accepting it. And the mother did that. So when they are saying, so when mother came, she had all these experiences. So she asked Shobindu, I have these experiences and... Um, you know, people told her, they were very pandits during that time also. But it is not there in the Upanishads. 
So mother, so Shirvinda simply said, yes, yes, your experiences, you have gone beyond the Upanishadic seers. Who will agree? But yes, <laughs> Shirvinda did say that, well, if going beyond the past seer is a sin, then every seer has done it. Buddha did it, Sri Krishna did it. Yes. Ah, that is the simple part. <laughs> that is a beautiful, beautiful question. How we can participate in it? That, yes. Yes. Mother said that very clearly. Now, all this is to understand, to answer to the technical mind and the traditional mind. Actually, technical mind will agree. Nowadays, scientists are agreeing that is possible. But the traditional mind which does not agree because it is stuck to the scripture and the word of the scripture. And as I said, there are hints in the scripture which he doesn't want to see. Because it is convenient to go into dissolution and escape. This is tough. So it doesn't want to agree and it's it's a comfort zone. When mother was asked, it's very difficult. How do you expect us to do it? She said, my child, who is asking you to do it? So what do we do? You open yourself to me. And she says, this body, in the same conversation, I think 4th December and later on also, she said, my body was given for this purpose to do this transmutation. Because she has to configure while her body is still living, which is very difficult. You don't configure it, you know, things like that. And she was configuring because she also needed <laughs> to be present in the entire. So it's not just a cellular yoga, but an atomic and subatomic yoga which was going on. We don't talk about it. So she said, my child, you are not supposed to do it. My body was given for this purpose. And hasn't Shurabindu told you? You will receive it from me, just open to my influence. And when Shurabindu was asked this, why can't it act on any other body once the supermind is there? Why only on Shubindo and the mother? Shubindo said, well, it sounds very simple and logical, but all those who have tried landed into a horrible copper, cropper. And then she says, he says, just try it. When Niruddha says, so you mean man is not going to transform it by his own efforts? Shubindo says, just try it. <laughs> it's impossible. So for us, the take-home point, which is what the, fortunately the devotees understand, they don't go through this complex mental process. They just have trust that Mother and Shubhinda have said so, we have to open to them and the process will take place. And those who have taken this journey, see the process and know the process. To whatever extent, to whatever degree. Of course, the ultimate, as I said, takes time. It's not just a question of configuring one computer, but it's a question of com com configuring the supercomputer or the mental computer which was governing this earthly creation. It takes going to take time. It's collective uh, millions of years of, you know, uh, and with viruses in it. Which, <laughs> which yeah, viruses of all kinds of mental suggestions and impossibilities, that denial, doubt. So all that has to be washed away. It's going to take time. But um, for us, it's very simple to trust and open to her and receive her. At the same time, do, as he said, some self-enabling sadhana. So let the body become more receptive, the mind become more receptive, more open and uh, to light the flame of aspiration so that there is a purification process to reject doubts, denials, fears which stand in the way. So this is a simple take home point for us and it will be done for us. That is the great assurance. And she says every time the avatar comes is to redeem matter. That's what is meant when Christ says that by my blood I have paid for your sins. Why? Where is the sin? 
She says the imperfection of man lies in the imperfection of matter. The problem is there. You take a material cloak, even you may be a great saint. You have those tendencies because matter is imperfect. That's how they looked at it. That matter is imperfect. It's not about karma and all these. We have been fed on that milk. Matter is imperfect. You enter an imperfect medium. Even a good light enters into a distorted medium. It gets distorted. It's very simple. But deep within we are all divine. That is the saying of the great scriptures. Thou art that. But how to give you know this dissonance. Deep inside we are divine. Outwardly we are wicked. We I mean you know humanity. And we put the burden on man's karma. As if man was the author of his fate and he created the creation. Well it's because the medium in which we enter. The clothes that we wear. Mind, vital and body gets that imprint. It is by its nature imperfect. So what is the law of karma? Well, the soul enters every time to make it a little more perfect, little more perfect. So from age to age we come, uh, from life to life we take this perfection individually and to some extent collectively, unknowingly one inch forward. That's why in Shobindu's karmic theory there is no regression, retrogression, there is a constant evolution. I think we'll stop here. Thank you so much.